Are you ready for God's word? Yes. Um, it's important to lean forward, right, as we answer that and to say, yes, I'm ready for God's word. I desire to hear what God has, has for me. You know, we've been talking about speaking life, speaking life, and how important our words are. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. The Bible also says that we can agree or speak life. That's agreement with God and his word. Or we can speak towards death. And you say, well, can our words really carry that much, much power? Well, let me ask you, parents. If you're a parent, you know that your words can destroy your children. Can destroy their confidence. Can destroy their um, their heart and their relationship with you. It can do a lot of harm. And so that's what the Bible means when it talks about speaking life or speaking death. And so our words do carry a tremendous amount of influence. And so today I want to talk to you about that influence over yourself. Specifically, I want to address the, the, the topic of the power of talking to yourself. Come on, the power of talking to yourself. Do you, how many of us have ever seen, here recently, there's quite a few, if you're driving down the road in certain areas, you'll see people talking to themselves. Do you ever see that? you ever see someone talking to themselves and they're carrying on a conversation and arguing with themselves? What do you usually do when you see that? Don't you usually go, man, that guy or that person is nuts, crazy, something like that. But don't you talk to yourself in, when, in saying that? So you're passing judgment on them as you talk to yourself. Now, you go, yeah, pastor, but that's not, that's not the same. I do, I do agree with you. There is a point where self-talk goes too far and becomes something super unhealthy, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. The truth of the matter is this, that we talk to ourselves more than anyone else. Did you know that? There's been studies, and I have studies from uh, psychology today and other places that will tell you that we spend 60 to 70% of our conversations with other people talking about ourselves. Think about that. We're talking about ourselves, and they're talking about themselves. What in the world do we ever talk about like each other? Think about this. If you're having a conversation online through social media, that goes up to about 75 to 85% of what you communicate on social media is about you. Can I tell you this too? Out of, out of everyone that you talk to about you, the one you talk to the most about you is you. And so we talk to ourselves more than anyone else and our favorite topic is us. Our favorite topic is us. Now, that is, that is significant. Now, this is what I find even more significant. Is that psychology today has analyzed this and they talk about this, this inner voice. And they said this. They said the problem, the article says, as, it's been, as, as they go on to describe it, this is what they said. Human nature is prone to negative talk. So if we spend most of our time talking to ourselves about us and we are prone, that means we are predisposed to talk negatively, then 
what kind of conversations are we having with, with, with ourselves? It's a negative conversation. You know what I find really, really interesting is that I read that and I thought, wow, psychology today is just now catching up with God's word. Because God's word has said that we are prone to negativity from day one. God has said we're fallen. That means we need a savior. There's things that have gone wrong. And, and I love this Bible verse. Think about this with me for a second. The Bible says in Romans seven eighteen, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. You say, Pastor, does that mean I have no concept of good? No, you have a concept of good. Because God put that in you. It's called your conscience. Your conscience. But what most people do is they, they lower the standard of their conscience. Why? Because that conscience is like a smoke detector that's constantly going off. Anyone ever gotten woken up in the middle of the night by your smoke detector? Anyone? Or is that just my smoke detectors that do that? But when they wake you up, it, you look around the house and you get all startled because it's a loud, obnoxious noise, isn't it? And you get all startled and you, and, and you lose your sleep and then you, you figure out there's nothing wrong and then it goes off again right as you're dozing off. And, and, and what do you do? You want to get up there and you want to just take that battery out. Why do you want to take the battery out so that it won't keep alarm? It, it, it'll stop alarming you. Can I tell you, we're tempted to deaden or to take out the battery from our conscience. And so we start trying to explain away our sin and what we do wrong. And we start trying to tell ourselves we're actually in pretty good shape, nothing to worry about. That's exactly what human nature does. But if you really, really, really pay attention and really dig deep, you can find out that even though you know it's wrong to lie. You just can't stop doing it. <laughs> Am I the only one? And you go, but it's, I don't lie that bad. Yeah, yeah, turn it down some. Right, you don't want it alarming you too much. But I love this verse because it's just right in your face. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. I have an idea of what good is, and I desire to do it, but I just can't bring myself to do it. And that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus Christ came, so that he might give us life. Now, this is where this message kind of starts. It starts with the foundation of either you have that, that Savior, that that the power of your Holy Spirit so that you can get him involved to help you do what you can't do on your own. And that's where self-talk comes in. Now, now before we get into it, I want to share with you that God's word gives you a lot of good examples of how we should self-talk, how we should talk to ourselves in a good way. Also shows us some bad ones. We'll cover both. But, but today I want to share with you probably one of my, my favorite examples of how to talk to yourself in the right manner is found in Psalms 103. This is King David. And King David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. You go, is he talking to himself? I thought he was just singing. No, he's talking to himself. What does O my soul mean? He's saying, you, deep in there, 
Bless God. Bless the Lord. Notice his first words that he, he commands of himself. He says, hey you David, your soul is what makes you you. Your psyche, your emotions, your desires, your wants, your beliefs. It's what makes you you. And he says, you, you deep in there David. Bless the Lord. No wiggle room. It's a full stop statement. Bless the Lord. Why? Because your disposition right from the outset is so important. He gives no room to, to guess, guess about it. And watch this. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Here it is again. And, for, and forget not all his benefits. So right off the bat, he's saying, I want you to remember that God and loving God and pointing towards God and walking after God is beneficial to your life. Why do we need to remind ourselves of the benefits? Because half of the time when we self-talk, it's about doubt and fear and insecurity. And David is saying, hey, I don't care what your doubts are. I don't care what your insecurities are. I don't care what your problems are. I don't care what's going on. God is big enough. That's what he's saying. God is big enough. And watch. Watch the second thing that he covers here. Who forgives all your iniquity and heals all of your diseases. You know where that self-talk, most self-talk happens around your major issues and about your failures because there's nothing more uh, weighty or some, nothing more uh, burdensome than guilt and shame. That's what, that's what affects us all as humans. We feel this guilt and shame and David is saying, guess what? God has taken care of it. He forgives, watch, all of your iniquity. Not some, all of it. If only you humble yourself and ask. And he can heal your diseases. I personally experienced that one. I personally, I'll share with me with more about it in a minute. But you say, but pastor, my self-talk really isn't negative. It's not about guilt and shame. You know, Jesus, Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter 12. There's a man. And at first glance, it doesn't seem that he's saying anything wrong. But this is the thing. It goes back to this idea that Jesus presents in the Sermon on the Mount that you will serve someone. Why? Because you were created to worship. And you will worship someone. You will either worship the God, creator of the entire universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or you will worship the other guy which we call the enemy. You say, but what if I worship myself? Yeah, that's the other guy. That, that, that. And you go, watch, watch the parable that Jesus tells. He tells about a man whose business is booming. And this is his self-talk. This is what he says to himself. I will tear down my barns and build new ones Larger ones, bigger ones with more room to fill more of what I have gained. Not necessarily bad, right? At first glance, you might think, well, what's wrong with that? We're raised in America to be ambitious and entrepreneurial and, and, and to really go for it and to stretch the limits and to try to make the most of yourself. Isn't that a good thing? 
But not when you've made it all about me, myself, and... Didn't I tell you most of our talk is about us? To us? And so you have to be careful because one of the ways that Satan begins to work is he just starts with plain old selfish talk. Selfish talk. I want this. I want that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And God says, whoa, whoa, hold up. Who's the one that gives you life? Who's the one that puts the strength in your body? You, you live and move and have your being at my good pleasure. Where do I come into the mix is the Lord's question. And so this is what Jesus goes on to say about this man. He says he's a fool. Why is he a fool? Well, Jesus says this very night your life is required and you never have even encountered, you've never even thought for a minute, inquired, what does God want from me? And tonight, God is calling you home. (gasps) Come on, anyone hear this and say, wow, I do need to be careful with my self-talk. How about, here's another example of good self-talk. So there's a woman. She has an issue of blood and she's been struggling for 10 years. Jesus is coming to her city. She goes to see him for healing. And when she gets there, The crowd is so large, there's no way she can get to him. What would you say to yourself? Oh, I guess this is it. Why doesn't everything good ever? Why am I always a day late and a dollar short? Why why, why are all these other people, don't they know I guess I'm just going to be sick for the rest of my life? No, but instead, this is what she says. If I only touch his garment... I will be made well. What a declaration to say to yourself. What is that an indication of? Can I tell you, your self-talk will be an indication of who you are and where you're going and what you're building. And it'll come out through your emotions. It'll come out through your relationships. It'll come out through your your confidence and your faith because your self-talk is that important. Here she says, she says, I know, I know, and I believe deep in my heart that my illness can be healed, and the answer is Jesus. Can you imagine if we were to get that deep in our heart to know, I know that my life will make sense. I know that everything I do today, I know that this situation and this circumstance will fall into place if I could only get to my Savior. My Savior is the answer. He's the reason. He's what I need. He's what our nation needs. Uh Uh-oh. He's what it is. And and boy, the Bible says she drops down. She pushes every hindrance aside and she lunges. I can imagine she sees the rabbi's robe was different from anybody else's robe. She saw his tassels and the robe of a rabbi was very recognizable. Can you imagine if when you see it, what do you do? She touched the hem of his garment down here. What was she doing down there? Get out of my way. She lunges for that garment. In that moment, she was healed. But it started with self-talk. It started with a declaration deep in her heart. Let me share with you of, of an example I thought of. and It's by Amy Jade Winehouse. Anyone know who Jane... Amy Jade Winehouse is. In fact, for the album Back to Black, I believe it is, she won five Grammys. 
two of which were given for best song and best recording for the song Rehab. Can I share with you the way it opens up and the way it closes? These are the two lines from the opening of the song and the closing of the song. They tried to make me go to rehab, but I said, no, no, no. Think of the declaration she made over herself. Can I tell you, that started here first, settled here, and then it came out here. Because that's what the Bible says. It starts here, it'll settle here, not in the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And she shared this with the entire world. They tried to make me go to rehab, but I said, no, no, no. Last line, they tried to make me go to rehab, but I, but I won't go, go, go. End of song. A few years later, she died of alcohol poisoning. Tragedy. But can I tell you? It started here. It started here. It happened here. Let me ask you. What kind of self-talk are you engaging in? It's important. It will make an impact on your life. See, the truth is the common, the common result of our constant, often negative self-talk is that we usually ask questions of ourselves. So I want to share that with you, that the questions you ask are very important. And how many of us know that questions are very, very important because they require you to engage? And so when you ask a question, it's often very, uh, much more powerful than a statement. A statement can be tuned out. A question brings engagement. So I always ask, are you ready for God's word? It requires you to think, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. Should I be? And when you hear the response of the audience say, yes, then you think, yeah, I need to come on. But this is the way it works. You ask a question of yourself, be careful with the question you ask because there's dangerous questions and there's good questions. A dangerous question is, why am I such a failure, loser, problem? What happens when you ask that question? Who gets involved immediately? We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but the enemy gets involved. And someone asked me the other day, Pastor, you really believe the enemy? Who's the enemy? The devil? I said, yeah, you think the devil's coming after me? I said, no, you're not that important. They were trying to be, you know, kind of in my face. So I, I went back. I said, you're not that important, but one of his little understudies might come after you. See, when we say the enemy, we don't just mean the devil. You ever seen a World War II movie? In a World War II movie, they'll hear sometimes they go, stop, the enemy. Does that mean Hitler's over there? Does that mean Mussolini? Does that, uh, who, what does it mean? It means the troops. The enemy, the devil, has troops. And he will assign a troop to your life to your house. He's all over it. He knows you better than you know yourself in many cases. And he'll speak. He'll speak negativity. And when you ask a question, you're inviting an answer. And so be careful what answers you invite. Instead of, why am I always sick? Why doesn't anything good ever happen to me? Why don't I ever get it? Instead of asking that question, say, Lord, what do you have for me today? What is your word shared with me today? 
God, I want to know what your word has to say. So Lord, how can I draw closer to you today? How can I accomplish your good pleasure today? Do you see the question you're asking begs the right answer instead of a wrong question that brings your attention and gets your mind working in the wrong direction? And so this is super, super important. The next thing I want you to know is that first thing, first thing you go, what do you mean first thing? First thing when you wake up in the morning, you got to begin to declare positive self-talk because it happens this quickly. And I can share something with you from my heart. I want to let you know that when I was 24 years old, 24 years old, I want you to think about being 24. There's, there's really not a better age in a sense. You know, your early 20s, your 20s, early 30s. I spent them with a very debilitating disease. Um, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and a, a really severe case of, uh, of an autoimmune disease. I didn't really know what, an auto, what autoimmune disease was all about. I didn't really kind of put it together. They, they said this and I thought, okay, well, whatever needs to happen, my immune system needs to get in line. Well, before my bout with this disease was over, I had lost a bunch of weight. I went from 210 to like 139 pounds at my lowest, 35, 135, somewhere in 39. Um, I lost a ton of weight. I was always sick. I couldn't eat very much. I was, it was, it was, it was horrible. And at the very, very worst place, I got to share this with you. I was seeing a gastroenterologist, a pulmonologist, a rheumatologist, and a internal medicine doctor. And you say, well, why a rheumatologist? Because rheumatoid arthritis came on me so fast that every joint in my body was, was having severe issues. They said, we've never seen this before. I couldn't even put my, my pants on. My, my wife had to help me put my pants on had to help me tie my shoes. I wasn't preaching on some Sundays because my associate would have to preach. I just, I just couldn't do it. I can remember walking with my son, Joshua, who was this, this old, you know, honey was running and he was running around and I, and I couldn't even walk. And he's like, dad, you look like an old man. My lungs were given out on me. All of these things were happening. And, and, and I don't say that to impress you. I say it to impress upon you. Do you see why David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he says, he has all the benefits you need. And then he says, he takes care of your iniquity. And what? He is your healer. Notice it's one, two, three. He gets to healing right away because when you are down in your health, you will feel the negative self-talk coming like, like relentless on you. And I truly believe that has to do from the enemy. But I can remember waking up and right from the beginning having to make a declaration. Someone needs to think about this right here, right now, because you might be in a position, maybe not being sick like I was, but needing to make a declaration first thing in the morning. I'm not going to start my day off wrong. I would start off with tremendous pain in my stomach, having to run to the restroom, and I would start like just, just getting negative right from the beginning. Then I decided, no more. I don't care if I have to live with this the rest of my life. I choose, come on. 
I choose this day whom I'm going to serve. And I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for my children. Thank you because you have a good plan for me today. I don't know what it is and I can't wait to see it unfold for me. That's when I got that idea of God's plan unfolding for you at his perfect timing. Lord, I trust your timing. I don't know why this is going on. I don't have to know. All I know is that you work all things for the good. Oh, come on now. You work all things for the good of those who love you. And then I would start being tempted with the thought of, but you're so young and your best years are being, yeah. Who cares? It's what it is. This is the... This is what God has asked me to go through for now. I'll take your healing at any moment, Lord. I'm going to keep believing for your healing. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to do it. Giving you praise. Giving you praise. That's when I decided Sundays would be my worst day. I don't know, you know, if anybody pays attention to the way I worship. But, but I, I don't worship half-heartedly. I, I move. I, I move. I got to give him my very best. You know why? Because Sundays used to be my worst day, but it was the day that he made. And this is when I got the the privilege of preaching his word. And I would tell him, Lord, just just give me the strength. And, And if you give me the strength, God, I will do what you privileged me to do. Because you could use a rock to do what I do, but instead you give me the message of life. Come on, is there anyone here? I'm not trying to impress you with my story. I'm just saying we're all in this crazy world together, but we have a choice on how we respond to it, and it starts right here. It starts right here, because ultimately he wants to get in here. We're talking about, you say first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning, first thing when the situation starts to unfold, first thing when the circumstance turns for worse. First thing, get a hold of it. Get out in front of it. Take control of your thoughts because if you change your attitude, you will change your altitude. See, this is what's happening. First thing, when it starts to unfold, you have a decision to make. Which way are you going to go? And if you go this way, you can almost hear the power of the Holy Spirit saying, All right, boys, let's go. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, angels, he made a decision. He wants to what? Unfold his, our good plan in his life. Let's give it to him. Let's show him. Let's give him the the gifts and the, and the energy that's needed. But what if you go the other way? You can almost hear the enemy saying, all right, boys, let's go. He made a decision. He's agreed with us and he's allowed us to establish our plan for today. Therefore, let's see how far we can take him. Let's see how much we can destroy. Let's see how low we can go. Choice is yours. Last but not least, don't agree with the enemy. There's a powerful concept in God's word called agreement. In the book of Amos, it says this. It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? In Matthew 18, the Bible says, two or three come together, Jesus shows up. He says, where two or three come together in my name, I will be there also. And whatever they touch and agree on in prayer shall be done for them. The Bible says that one, one warrior can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. What is the Bible trying to get across to us? That when there's holy agreement, there's a holy synergy that takes place. 
You ever heard of synergy? Synergy is their output is greater than the sum of their individual parts added together. Something exponential takes place. And when you agree with the Lord and his Holy Spirit, then he begins to move in your life and do things you couldn't do. You say, Pastor, you just, you you talk about your disease like it was. Yes, it was. I'll never forget when he set me free. I was having one of the worst bouts I'd ever had. My brother was having a really hard time and my heart was going out for him. And as I was praying for him, the Lord put on my heart, you need to take a mission trip and go scout out a new mission, a new mission opportunity in Belize. We were going to go into the, into the jungle and uh, minister with the Ketchi uh, tribe, the, the Mayan tribe that spe- spoke Ketchi. And, uh, and I thought to myself, I'm having real severe problems. That's the last place I should be. I got to be near civilization where there's, there's, you know, and I, can, I, I can't do it. But I remember the Lord saying, I want you to go. So I'll never forget the self-talk that happened. Lord, I believe you at your word. Chris, you can do it. If God says you can, you can and you will. And so let's make the plans and let's go. And my brother was going through a very severe uh, um, crisis with anxiety. And his, it was a physical one too in which his adrenal glands were all out of whack and he couldn't get his health back in order. But I really felt God wanted us to go on this, on this mission scouting trip because he was going to do something miraculous even though in my mind said, no, you know that physically you can't do it. I said, but the physical will have to bow down to the spiritual. And so I can remember leaving and going, and I don't say this to impress you, but to impress upon you what is possible. You want to know what happened? I came back from that trip, and I was completely healed. Completely healed. 20 years of disease, gone in an instant of obedience to God. Of obedience to God. Go to the doctor. The doctor does full examination, says, I don't know what happened. We can't explain it but it's reversed itself. Glory be to God, doc. Glory be to God. And so I know about agreement. And when you agree with the Lord, he moves. But when you agree with the enemy, guess what? He moves too. Listen to the the words of Peter in Acts chapter five, verse three. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. What is Peter saying there? He's saying it is possible for Satan to speak to us. And ultimately he wants to go from here to here. Because from here to here is called a stronghold. He wants to create a stronghold in your life. A pattern of thinking. But can I tell you this? Greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. The reason the Bible says that is because those thoughts are coming from out there, not from in here. They're not who you are. Who you are is a child of God if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, then you should speak the words of life and block him from speaking into your life. But how do I do that? Start off with this phrase. 
It's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It's a phrase from the, from the prayer Jesus gave. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. For Come on now. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is so powerful when you feel the enemy, because this is the way the enemy works. He's going to try to be sly and convince you that they're your thoughts. Because if he can convince you that, you're, that, that they're your thoughts and turn them into your thoughts, then you take them, you swallow them down into your heart, and from your heart you'll begin to speak over everything in your life. What do I mean by that? I mean, have you ever, have you ever experienced thoughts that you go, where did that come from? I'm trying to pray and there's a blasphemous thought come in or a thought of doubt, severe doubt or condemnation, really bad condemnation. What's condemnation? Something along the lines of, I'm not even saved. God doesn't love you. But notice, The enemy won't use the you pronoun. He'll use the I pronoun, disguising it like it's you. Because if he says you are this and God doesn't love you, then it's easy to go, dude, this is someone else talking to me. He's he's slicker than that. He's going to use the I pronoun, trying to convince you that it's you. I've had many Christians Say, Pastor, I'm trying my best to get closer to the Lord. I've turned my back on my sin. I'm walking in righteousness, but I just keep getting bombarded with these thoughts. I said, you're in spiritual warfare. You're in spiritual warfare because the minute you decide to live holy, the enemy starts coming around and trying to tell you that you're less than, that you're not able to, that you're defeated. That's called condemnation, guilt, shame. And so you, you rebuke it by the Lord's prayer. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. My Lord rebuke you. And then you unleash God's word on him. See, many of us try to wrestle down the enemy. You go and try to wrestle the enemy and think, I'm not going to think that thought. And you try to, you try to uh, uh, overpower that thought. All you're doing is going into the grips of a master jujitsu expert. You don't deal with the enemy. You unleash God's word. It's like St. Augustine said, God's word is a lion. All you have to do is open it up and it'll fight for itself. So you take God's word and you begin to speak it over your situation. You begin to speak it over your life. You begin to claim it over your, your going and your coming. You say, but pastor, I don't know God's word. I'm not that familiar. Let me tell these guys, hey, you've got to speak God's word over your life. You've got to begin to speak God's word over your circumstance and your situation. That will drown out the enemy. You begin to praise the name of God. You begin to make make big of who he is. You say to yourself, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hey, Chris. You ever talk to yourself that way? Say, hey, Chris. Hey, Ventac. Hey, Joel. Hey, Claire. Dude, come on. Bless the Lord. Yeah, you might be down. Yes, you might be having a hard time. Yes, you might be sick. But as long as God gives me breath, as long as he gives me life, as long as I have an ounce of breath within my lungs, I will bless your holy name. 
praise you, God. And just then the enemy begins to leave. He has to go. His word rebukes him. He wants no part of it. But we have to learn how to encourage ourselves. How to encourage ourselves. And understand that we face a very real enemy. It's shown all throughout scriptures. You say, okay, pastor, what do I do? This is where we finish. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Sober. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And so Paul here to the Thessalonican church is saying something very similar that he says to the Ephesian church when he says, put on the full armor of God. But the main thing that he, he says is the breastplate of, of faith. Faith is so important. Without faith, you can't walk this walk. You've got to have faith. And some people say, but pastor, I've got to be able to see it before I, I believe it. It's not the way it works. You believe it and then you'll see it. I had to believe for my healing before I saw my healing. You might be going through something right now and you might be having all kinds of negative self-talk Start believing for greater today. Come on. God loves you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. When you get a glimpse of his love, you'll see that there's nothing to fear because he has you in the palm of his hand. The Bible says he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what you could hope for, imagine, or dream. The greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. The Bible says openly he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Oh yeah, but but right now it doesn't feel it doesn't matter what you feel, it doesn't matter what you see, doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what God has said. So I'm gonna line up my word based on your word, Lord, and I'm gonna see it come to pass. Why should I see it come to pass? Because you never lie. You always tell the truth, and if you said it, it shall be done. And then it is done. It is done. It's done in my life. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am healed according to his good word. I am exactly who he wants me to be and he's put me in exactly the right place to accomplish his good work. He's given me the the amount of time I need and the money and the resources and everything I need to do what he's called me to do. Therefore, Lord, let's do this. Let's do this. That's what we're talking about here today. We're talking about a different mindset, a mindset of faith. And this is how I'll finish. I want to share with you a story from the Jewish Mishnah. You say, what's what's the Mishnah? The Mishnah was like case law. From the law of the Old Testament, there were stories that showed how God worked out his goodness and, and how things were handled in a very practical sense. This story comes from the generation right before Jesus Christ comes onto the earth. It's without a doubt that Jesus heard of this story because it's one of the most popular stories in the Mishnah. It's about a man named Honi. They called him the circle maker, the circle drawer. If you've ever read Mark Batterson's book, Circle Maker, he includes it in the first chapter. It's one of the most famous stories out of the Mishnah. And so what's happening is the shofar is blown. You say, what's a shofar? The shofar is a ram's horn and it's about three feet long and it has a curvature to it and they would blow it for two occasions. One as a warning in crisis or for celebration in worship. 
This was blown for crisis as a warning, crying out to God. They blew it asking for a consecrated fast because they were in danger of death due to severe drought. We take this for granted because we have wells that go way down and we, and we, we grab water that in ancient times they never would have been able to have gotten to. But when, when your land goes dry and you have no water, that's reason for alarm. They were very alarmed and they started crying. And then you have to realize this. That for 400 years, when the Old Testament was closed and the New Testament was opened, it's called the intertestimonial period. And that period was about 400 years where God was pretty silent. And this is the thing, when you self-talk, usually it comes when you feel that God's voice has been pretty silent, therefore you fill the silence with your own. 20 years I've been sick, God. I have to be very careful what I was saying. Come on. You might be going through a problem here and you start to speak, but be careful. It's better that you speak with God. You go, Lord, I don't hear you, but I know you hear me. Give me ears to hear. What kind of ears do I need that I may hear? That's a good question. Because then you start saying, maybe I need a, Confess some things. Maybe I need to turn from some things. Maybe I need to start establishing a real relationship with you and not have you just be a a last thought when I'm in trouble. And as you start doing this, but, but, but this is what happened. They call out to him and they say, we know that you're a man of faith and a rabbi of faith. Will you pray to God to send rain? So he comes out to the town square. He takes his staff and he draws a circle in the dirt. He stands in that circle and he says, Master of the universe, King of glory, my God and our God. I come to you. He's on his knees. On behalf of your children, we need you to send rain. I know that you love us and that you are merciful and kind. Send your rain, okay? No sooner than he says that, it starts to sprinkle. Come on. There's a gasp across the entire audience. All the people begin to to kind of rejoice and they look up and he doesn't move. He can feel the droplets and he says, this is not the prayer in which I prayed. I prayed for refreshing rain that brings life. And then it starts to pour. I mean, I'm talking the kind of rain that scares you to the core. The Mishnah says that people began to run for their lives, heading to the Temple Mount to find higher ground because no drop was smaller than an egg. It was coming down so hard, he doesn't move from the circle. He says, Lord, Master of the Universe, My God, this is also not what I prayed for. I pray for the life-giving, gracious rain that you send on a land when you love your people. And just then, it's like someone dialed it back. 
And the rain began to fall in a way where the ground could receive it. And the people could dance in it. And everyone was saved. You go, wow. Wow. Why was that done in that way? Maybe so everyone who's read that through the ages would know. That you've got to know God in a personal, intimate way where you don't get too excited just with a little trickle. And you don't freak out when it comes down too hard. You know that God can give you exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it. And now that I've reminded you of that, I want you to go home and remind yourself each and every day as you speak life over your life. Speak life over your life. Speak the words of your Lord. Speak the hope of your God. Fathers, you learn to do that, you'll soon be able to do it over your children. you do it over your spouses. You hear what I'm saying? So as you bow your head today, you just take some time right there where you sit and ask the Holy Spirit if there's an area where you need breakthrough. Maybe there's a certain pattern which is a stronghold that the enemy has has tried to establish in your life of negative thinking, negative self-talk. Today, would you ask the Holy Spirit to remove it in Jesus' name? Well, it wasn't through. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just begin to say, Holy Spirit, what is it, Lord? What is it? Oh, if you said it, you'll perform it. Yes, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. I'm trusting your Lord, we celebrate your goodness today. So as we partake of this, of this Lord's Supper, we remember that it was your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed that we might have eternal life. Let that be the foundation of all our self-talk in Jesus' name. And all the questions, they come